Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, church. And a happy new year for those we haven't met, we haven't seen each other. I don't know about you, I am believing that 2022 is going to be different. I know some of you are still living in 2020. No, no, 2022. All right. We are in 2022. We trust in God. It's going to be a great year. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Uh, we're trusting that God is going to do amazing things in this year. I'm not saying it because it's cliche. I'm saying it because I believe it. I'm saying it because I know that the creator of the world is with us. We are not alone. Amen. I know that the last couple of weeks have been a bit discouraging uh, for some of us, with the parliament being under fire, with uh, the constitutional hill being vandalized, and it can be discouraging. But may I remind you that God still sits on the throne. God still sits on the throne. The parliament in heaven is not under any form of fire or vandalism. It's still intact. God is with us, and he will see us through. The Bible says his messes are new every morning. So God will see us through the challenges that we are facing as a nation. Amen. In the first service, uh, Chantel shared about how we should approach the time of uh, prayer and fasting. I like the way she described it. She said, it is like a friend of yours invites you to a mansion in Cape Town and say, this is your holiday all costs are covered. Just show up and uh, enjoy being in this mansion. You get in the car, you decide not to fly, you drive all the way up to Beaufort West, and then you stop there. Are you going to enjoy the holiday? No, you're not going to enjoy the holiday. So fasting is actually saying, I'm going to go all the way to meet with the Creator in His mansion. That's what fasting is about. I know that some of you are not impressed by that, but guess what? You're going to meet with the Creator when you fast. I'm doing my best to motivate you to fast. All right. Let me just say, my wife said, remind the church, don't use Sunday now to stock up everything <laughs> because the fast is starting tomorrow. No, no, pace yourself, you know. Don't, uh, don't do that. Don't do that. It's not good for your body. Some people were asking me how to do this fast, because some people may be fasting for the first time. If it is your first time fasting, I will encourage you to take it easy, to even read about fasting. The devotional that we make available online on our website has got more details. But also, I'll encourage you, maybe you want to fast one meal a day, or you want to do one day uh, one meal a day fast, so you can eat either uh, in the evening or you can eat your lunch. So take it easy. For those who have been Christians and uh, you've walked with God, you are not exempt from this fast. Seven days of water only and liquid fast. Can I hear amen to that? Even online, can I hear amen? <laughs> All right. So what it means, water only, it means you only drink water. Liquid, it means you can take juice or any other form. If we want to meet with God, we need to stretch ourselves. So maybe some of you, you fasted three days before. Maybe it's time you stretch it four days, five days, all the way to seven days. And then for some people, we'll transition into a Daniel fast from the 14th uh, 
or from the 14th day, you can transition to the annual fast. And the annual fast is when you take fruit or vegetables together with, uh, with liquids. And you can also read about the Daniel fast. There's uh, information about the Daniel fast. For some people, it may include fasting a TV, fasting electronics, social media, or any other form of entertainment. The only thing I forgot to write there is fasting coffee. For all the coffee fans, stay away from coffee, right? I know some people, they fast everything else except coffee. The very thing that is a stronghold, you need to fast. So you all know what a stronghold is. So fast that very thing. And then that devotional, you can be able to get it online uh, and track with us. Every day we have a devotional that we're going to pray. The second thing on the next slide is the prayer meetings we mentioned uh, from tomorrow, not today, from tomorrow, 6 to 7 p.m. We'll be in the auditorium. We'll be praying and fasting. Our nation needs us. Our nation needs us. Our president needs us. He needs our prayers with everything that is happening in our country. So from 6 uh, to 7 p.m., and then the following two weeks, it will be only Thursdays. I also want to make you aware of the revival prayer that happens on Zoom every 6 a.m. in the morning. So you don't have to get in the car. You can join us online. Even the evening prayers will be online, but the Zoom one happens every single day. It started January last year, and it's still continuing because we trust in God for revival for our nation. Can I hear amen today? Awesome. Today it's exciting. We started a sermon series called Abide. What is exciting about it is all the every nation churches globally, 81 nations, we are preaching the same thing. Because there are times God speaks to the individual, but there are times that God speaks to us as a church body. So different languages, we are doing this sermon series called Abide, the power and beauty of God's Word. The power and beauty of this Word, the Word of God. And I believe and trust that we're going to have a renewed sense of the importance of the Word of God this year. I pray that we have a renewed sense of the power, the benefits, the fruitfulness of this word. A couple of years ago, my son's uh, school, they were doing a project, and they were asked to uh, pick up three things that they would put in a time capsule that they will open after 10 years. You know how time capsule works. Some, some they even keep for 100 years. They said, pick up three things that are valuable to you that you will open and see after 10 years if the very thing is still valuable and important. And when our son picked up the Bible as one of the things that is valuable, I was really blown away by that. It is what we do with this word that other people will see how we treat the word of God. And my prayer is today as we do the sermon, the word became flesh that you'll understand that the Bible is not just a book, it's a person. The Bible, the Word of God, is a person. So let me start by asking you a question. If you walked on the street and you bump into someone and you just greet them and then you walk past and then someone else stops you and they ask you, do you know that person? What will your answer be? Yes, I know them or no, I don't know them. You just bumped into them, you greeted them. Do you know them? No, you can't say you know them because you just greeted you can only know a person when you have had a conversation with them. You can only know a person when you have started a conversation and asked who they are, where they come from. That's the only way you can know a person. Maybe let me put it in a different way, just for you, Nivelia. <laughs> if I go to gym, 
I know that the fruit is not showing currently, but uh, I'm still standing on that word that says, through faith and perseverance, the fruit will show later, you know? So if I go to gym, which is my gym that I go to, and I do the spinning class, and I see all these people, and I don't conversate with them, I don't talk with them, can I claim that I know them? I cannot claim that I know them. If I go to one of my favorite coffee shops over and over again and I see people and I can perceive who they are, what they do, can I claim to know them? I can't claim to know them. And guess what? A lot of us as Christians, we put that Psalm 91 sticker on our cars and then we say, me and Jesus are on the same WhatsApp group. We are like this. But you never open this word. You never connect with Jesus. How can you say you know him? So I'm here to announce to you that how you perceive Jesus, that is how you will approach your relationship with him. How do you perceive Jesus? Do you perceive him as someone who wants to have a relationship with you? Or do you perceive him as only Father Christmas who shows up on Christmas with Christmas gifts? How we perceive Jesus is how we will approach our relationship with him. So let's read John chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 18. And it's going to help us to understand this word, that we cannot claim to know Jesus unless we spend time with him, unless we pursue him. Maybe I should take it one step further. I'm married, just as uh, I think it was... uh, Stuart, who asked earlier, I'm married, and uh, for my wife and I to keep our marriage going, I pursue her. I still buy flowers, Pastor Greg. I still buy flowers. I make her coffee every morning. I bring her to her, to her in bed. I'm glad we are fasting, so there's not going to be <laughs> coffee every morning. Maybe I'll be bringing her water every morning. I spend time with my wife. We were just talking about uh, um, love languages yesterday. One of her love languages is quality time. I cannot claim to love her if I don't spend time with her. So we cannot claim to know Jesus. We cannot claim to have a relationship with Jesus if we don't spend time in this world. If you get that one point that being in a relationship with Jesus is being in this world, the service is over. Let's read verse 1 of John. We're going to read a couple of verses because I want you to get the context. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. You see that repetition there. All things were made through Him, and without Him was anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. 
he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16. For from his fullness we are all received. We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace, through, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Friends, from the scripture that we have read, we understand right from verse 1, very similar words to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In this scripture that we read, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you read that, it gives us an understanding that Jesus is the eternal, pre-existent, incarnate Word of God. Jesus existed even before existence was there, if that makes sense in English language. Before everything was there, he existed. He was there. I'm trying to make a point that when we understand who Jesus is, we will approach him differently and we will approach the scripture differently. Jesus existed before everything. The Bible says everything that was created was created through him. Nothing that we see today that was created was not created if it wasn't for Christ. So when God spoke, the word that came out of God which was Jesus, he was the chief engineer, he was the chief architect, he was the chief designer. Everything that came out of God's mouth, they created, it was Jesus who created. So, when you read John, in the few chapters after chapter 1, we see what was the main reason that Jesus came. We read John twenty thirty one. the Bible says, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. I like the fact that when we were worshiping this morning, we were worshiping about the fact that there is life, that life that we speak about is the life that is in Jesus. We have life because we are in Jesus. We have life because we understand the relationship that we have with Jesus. So with this in mind, I want to share three things with you from the scripture. The creator of all things desires to be near. The creator of all things desires to be known. And the creator of all things desires to be received. I mean, that word that we speak about, when you read here in John chapter 1, you notice in my Bible, I hope it's the same in your Bible, the word, word is capitalized because we're talking about a person. The word is a person. 
And if you were to read it in the Greek, the word logos, it means logic. So Jesus is the logic of God. If you ever question who God is, just go to Jesus. God sent his son to represent, to show us who he is because he wants to be near us. Let's just look at this first point. The, 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 the creator of all things desires to be near. When you read uh, verse 14 of the text that we've read, it says, And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. The word became flesh. The word became human. The word came down. Jesus came down. By the way, Christianity is the only religion in the world where God came down. He stooped down through his son, Jesus Christ, to connect with us. The same word dwell, when you read it in the Old Testament, is the word tabernacle, that God came to pitch a tent among us. God made himself vulnerable. God made himself killable. Who can kill God? No one can kill God, but God, because of his desire to come near us, because of his desire not to do life on our own, he came down, he stooped down to be near us. We were reflecting over Christmas with my family that if we really wanted to understand how God so much wanted to be, uh, uh, to be with us and not let Lucifer take over the world, you know, he made himself so vulnerable by being born to a woman, Mary, and imagine Jesus being raised up and being spanked by his mother. <laughs> Did Mary know that he was spanking God? <laughs> I mean, I don't know the theology of the Israelites when it comes to spanking, but I mean, they had to discipline him. I mean, Jesus was one of those kids who, while they're walking with the parents, he'll just go and preach the gospel to the synagogue. He came down. He made himself vulnerable. If you want to understand it better, it is in Philippians. In Philippians 2, the Bible says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality as something to be grasped, equality with God. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself of the privileges of heaven, of the mansion in heaven to come down so that he can connect with us, so that he can save us from the life of sin. He pitched a tent to dwell here. I mean, the Bible says that our bodies are the, are the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Jesus came to dwell on the inside of us. A story is told. I mean, you can go and read it. You can Google it. The story of uh, Kitty Genovese, 1964, in New York. She was uh, coming from work in the middle of the night. She was walking, working as a bartender. She parked her car somewhere in the parking lot, and she was walking from her, her car to her apartment. And uh, it is said that she started screaming, help, help, he's stabbing me. And this is what exactly happened. Some lights on the apartments went on, and the guy ran away. But no one came down to help her. Five minutes later, the guy came back while she was stabbed and bleeding like that and crawling towards her place. And guess what? The guy stabbed her to death. 
while the people were in the apartments afraid to come down to rescue, to help her. I was thinking about the story that, you know, these people were afraid to come down, maybe for two reasons. One reason was maybe we are going to be hurt. But Jesus, the Son of God, knew that when he came down to help us, he was going to be hurt and he was going to be mad at, and yet he chose to come down for us. He chose to stoop down to say, I heard your cry. I'm coming down to help you. And then you, you may say the other reason, I mean, there's a movie even on the story. There's documentary psychologists have written about the story. The second reason is the bystander effect that in the world we're living in today, when there's fire, when there's a pothole, when there's something wrong happening, we always think that someone else will do it. Jesus, when God was sitting with the triune God, they were having a board meeting, and God was saying, who's going to go? Jesus said, I'll go. I will go to help them, to rescue them. It's the same as when you read Exodus, how when the Israelites cried for help in slavery, God came through Moses to help them, to rescue them from slavery. Now, by the way, the story, if you're interested in it, it was the birth of 911, the emergency number that we know in America. It came because of that story. Because some people said they called the police and the police did not show up. Isn't it said that that is happening in our country today? You can call the police and they don't show up. People can die. But I'm here to tell you, if you call on God for help, he will show up. He may not show up the way you expect him to, but he will certainly show up. When we cry for help, he shows up. He stooped down to rescue us from the life of sin. The creator of all things desires to be near us. The creator of all things desires to be known and he desires to be received. So we're going to look at that number two. Creator of all things desires to be known. When you read um, verse 18, from this text that we've been reading, it explains to us very well how God desires to be known. When I read it in the New American Standard Version, it says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Now, this, this, this is one of the times when English also fails because imagine, it says no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Who are they talking about? Who is the only begotten God? Jesus. So he says, no one has seen God. Let's revisit the Old Testament. The Bible says no one can see God face to face and still live. When Moses asked God, please show your face, God says, no, 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 you cannot see my face, you cannot live. But God said, you can see my back. And then when you fast forward to the New Testament, it says, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, Jesus came down coming out of God. The best way to describe it is God came out of himself to come down to us, to stoop down to us, to help us. So we don't have to do life alone. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you helpless. I will not leave you comfortless. 
I will come down and help you. I don't know, maybe you are trusting God for a job this year. I want you to know that the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He wants to come down and help you in your situation. Maybe you're trusting God for, for your business to have breakthrough. The only begotten God who's in the bosom of the Father has come down to help you. I mean, look at Philip asking this question to Jesus. Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me? Philip, who has seen me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So when we understand that Jesus is God, he says that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We will approach this word differently. The word that has become flesh. Because the creator of all things desires to be near us. He desires to be known. If you go back one slide, there's a picture that I show there. It's a picture of Quentin. Last year sometime we were having our baptism Sunday and uh, Quentin planned for this baptism. He had two Coke cans. One Coke can had the branding. Both of them still had Coke inside and the other one did not have branding. He had spent his Saturday with a sandpaper removing the brand. I mean, this guy takes his job seriously, you know. He wanted to explain what baptism is. And little did he know that there was going to be only one young man who was being baptized that Sunday. Thank God for Kids Church. Great things are happening at Kids Church. Lives are being transformed at Kids Church and at youth. And this young man was being baptized and the Quentin came specifically prepared to explain, not knowing that there was going to be this young man. And the Coke can that had branding was to explain that when you get baptized, you come out and you say, I belong to Jesus. And the can that doesn't have branding is to say, you know what, maybe, but I don't want people to know that I'm a Christian. When you get baptized, you say, I'm coming out. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. What I like about this picture is unrehearsed, unplanned, Quentin stooped down and gave this young man this Coke can. And he said to him, you can keep this Coke can to remind you of what baptism is. I don't know if the guy drank the Coke, but the important thing is remember this Coke can that a God who created the world stooped down for you came down for you. You know, I pray that you will get that because then your view of all that's happening in the world will be different. If you understand that God came down, I mean, God could have just annihilated the devil, Lucifer, because the state of the world today is because of how the devil has corrupted the world. But God said, okay, because I'm a God of justice, Instead of destroying him, I'll come down and help him because the destruction is still coming. The creator of all earth, of all things, desires to be near us, desires to be known, and desires to be received. So I want us to talk about that. Look at this, um, verse 11. It says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, 
He gave them the right to be called, to become the children of God. Those who received him have the right to be called the children of God. Now, when God sent Jesus to come, the only begotten son, he sent him so that he can journey with us. Even when he left, he left us with the Holy Spirit so that we can have the Holy Spirit in us. We can have Jesus with us. The best way to describe it, if you go to the next slide, Dr. Rice Brooks, who's one of the founders of Every Nation Church, he uh, describes evangelism as this. I mean, he did his PhD in evangelism and to understand the power of evangelism. And this is how he describes the gospel. He says the gospel is the good news that God became man in Christ. God came out of himself and he became man. He lived a life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and offering a gift of salvation to all who repent and believe in him. Now, this definition of the gospel helps us to understand that everything that we've spoken about, the word becoming flesh, it is God taking a posture of a human being, leaving his privileges of heaven to come near us. He lived a life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. He took our place. I should have been the one on the cross, but he took my place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he's the son of God, offering the gift of salvation to all who repent. So friends, the gospel, in a nutshell, is love on the cross. Is love on the cross. The gospel is love displayed on the cross. The gospel is understanding that God, the creator of all things, the creator of heaven and earth, stooped down to come to us. I want to share something with you that's very close to my heart. For us to understand the power of the gospel. Last week, Sunday after church, my family and I went to one of my favorite coffee shops. They won't be seeing me the next three weeks. We'll be fasting. Up in Rosebank. And uh, we, we have this policy, whether we're at home or at the restaurant, there are no cell phones on the table because we want to be fully present. We want to engage with one another fully. And we were there chatting, chilling, talking, connecting, and it was amazing. As we continued enjoying our meal and finished our meal, someone walked up to us. And I was blown away by the boldness of someone just walking up to us and saying, uh, guys, you don't know me. I'm trying to figure out because we're wearing masks these days. Maybe it's someone from church, and I'm trying hard as a pastor not to be rude. You know, Greg, how it rolls. By the way, I don't mind when you greet me in the shopping malls everywhere. You know, like, hey, Pastor Sai. The only time I mind is when I go to the bank and the bank teller say, hi, Pastor Sai. <laughs> I can see the bank balance here. Has the tithe not been so great? <laughs> that, that's just what we pastors go through all the time. That's why we need private bankers. <laughs> But it happens all the time, and this young man walks up to us, and I'm trying hard to not be rude and to be, you know, calm, cool, collected. And he's saying, I'm sorry to disturb you, but I just want you to know that I was sitting here, 
And I was just challenged, impacted by looking at your family. I want you to know that um, my parents recently went through a divorce after 30 years of marriage. And I started losing hope in this institution called marriage. I started losing hope in the institution of family. At that point, he became teary, and then we pulled up a chair. You can see my kids are now like wondering what's going on here, you know. We're having church at this uh, favorite coffee coffee shop. I'm not mentioning their name because I don't want you to judge me afterwards. So he sits down, and then he shares a little bit more about his story. And then uh, we, we pray for him, and then we say, that's great. We exchange the numbers, and then I organize to have coffee with him this last Friday. And then we had coffee. And when we were having coffee, this is what he said to me. He said he felt like watching us, God was aggressively pursuing him. God was aggressively pursuing him. And as I was sitting with him, I kept thinking about this. When the gospel is practical, it becomes attractive. When the gospel, this word, transforms our lives and we are different, it becomes attractive. When your colleagues can say, there's something different with you, it's because you have been with Jesus. You have been in the word. You live by this word. Not just Psalm 91 on the car. You can see that I've got issues with Psalm 91 on the car. Because during the COVID season, Psalm 91 has been there on the car sticker, in the office, everywhere, you know. Don't give me Psalm 91 if you're not in the Word. You've got to be people of the Word. This is a person. That young man that I prayed with on Friday to recommit his life to the Lord is sitting right here. I'm emotional because on Friday I said to him, I'm going to disciple you and I look forward to doing your wedding. Let's stand to pray. A lot of people have lost hope in the church, lost hope in God, lost hope in marriage, lost hope in government, lost hope. But there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in this gospel. I'm still believing that we'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm still believing. And I'm not going to give up on believing the promises of God. The Bible says not even one of all the good promises of God that He gave to Israel failed. They were all accomplished. The Bible says that I was young and I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, their children begging bread. Because there's hope in the gospel. There is hope in the gospel. The Bible in Revelation, it says in the end, the tabernacle that is in heaven will become our home. Lord Jesus, I pray that God will experience the tabernacle that is in heaven while we are here on earth. We'll experience your presence while we are here on earth, God will experience what it means to live this gospel life, a Christ-centered gospel life, because we have a relationship with you, Father. Lord Jesus, I pray that, God, we will not be defined 
by the bank balance, will not be defined by the car that we drive, will not be defined by the work that we do, Lord God, will be defined by you, will be defined by this gospel. Lord Jesus, I pray that today there will be a renewed commitment to going back to the Bible, going back to the Word, and become people of the Word, and eat the Word, and sleep the Word, study the Word, because that's where life is. That's where Jesus is. While our heads are bowed and we are in this moment of prayer, even for those online, join us in this moment of prayer. I want to give an opportunity to people who are here and you say, I've heard you speak about the creator of all things wants to be near. The creator of all things wants to be Known the creator of all things wants to be received, but I have not received the creator of all things. If you are here and you want to receive him as Lord and Savior of your life, just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Maybe someone invited you, maybe you just felt like coming to church today. The creator of all things is calling you back home. Just raise your hand where you are so we can pray with you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. Anyone else? Thank you there at the back. Just raise your hand to God, not to men, and say, I want to come back home today. Or maybe you've received Him before and you drifted and you want to come back. Today is your day. You can come back to the house of the Lord. Just raise your hand. Thank you, my sister. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Maybe you've drifted and you know today is your day. The Creator of all things is calling you back. Thank you. Anyone else wants to come back home today? Thank you, my brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? If there's something happening in your soul right now, it's because the creator of all things is calling you back home. The creator of all things wants you to know him. You can put your hands down. All those people who raise their hands, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing to come to the front so we can pray with you. We're not going to ask you to say anything. We just want to pray with you and take your contact details so that we can disciple you. If you raise your hand, please come to the front. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, my brother. Facing this way. You, you can face this way. Thank you. Please come. Thank you so much. Stand right here. Please come. Stand right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you want to come. Come. You're welcome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can stand over here. You can come stand over here. Thank you. For those online, we have a number on the screen. You can also take that number, send a message, and we'll contact you during the week so that you can also receive the Creator of all things. He'll be your Lord. He'll be your Savior. And all of you standing here, this is one of the best decisions you can ever make. Over 20 years ago, I made this decision, and I never looked back because I can promise you I will not be standing here if I never made that decision. I'd either be dead or somewhere in prison somewhere. I don't know. But thank God that the creator of all things stooped down 
because he wants to have a relationship with us. Please pray after me. Church, can we please join them? Heavenly Father, we come before you. We receive you as Lord and Savior of our lives. From today, our names are written in your book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we pray for these people. We pray, God, that you take them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. May their lives never be the same again. Cover them with your wings, Father. Protect them. And Father, you know where they've been. You know where they are right now. And you're bringing them and calling them back home in Jesus' name.